0: M-S-W-Media. Big thanks to Real Paper for supporting Daily Beans. No new trees are cut down to make Real Paper products, so sign up for a subscription and get 30% off your first order at real, R-E-E-L, paper.com slash daily beans or use our code daily beans at checkout. And this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by my favorite daily nutritional drink. It's called Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free 1-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. So go to athleticgreens.com/dailybeans to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance, and we thank them for their support. News, news Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, January 21st, 2022. Today, the January 6th committee wants information from Ivanka. The Fulton County District Attorney asks court for a special grand jury. Donald held secret meetings in the days before the Capitol attack. The quick reaction force oath keeper, Vallejo, has been deemed a danger to society and will be detained pending trial. The D.C. Circuit Court rejects an appeal from the pillow man allowing the Dominion libel suit against him to go forward and it was Trump campaign officials led by Rudy Giuliani who orchestrated the seven state conspiracy of forged electors i'm your host Allison Gill Oh my gosh so you know today is my actual birthday as we record this i know that this comes out on friday thursday's my birthday so we're just going to have a two show birthday extravaganza and this is a lot of really great birthday news big news and so tied for first by the way, these, this news as gifts tied for first with the Frosé machine I got from Joelle. Thank you, Joelle. Uh, later in the show, I'll be talking to Representative Donna Howard from Texas about voting rights and abortion rights. And then later, I'll be joined by Amy Carrero for the good news. Uh, there are so many. Every single story today is a lead story. And so we're going to just hit them all. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Some- hot notes. Baby, all right. First up from Marshall Cohen at CNN. Trump campaign officials led by Rudy Giuliani oversaw the efforts in December 2020 to put forward illegitimate electors from seven states that Trump lost to Biden badly, according to three sources. Three with direct knowledge. The sources said members of the former president's campaign team were far more involved than previously known in the plan. We we knew that, but now we have sources confirming it. And that's a core tenet of the broader plot to overturn President Joe Biden's victory when Congress counted electoral votes on January 6th. Giuliani and his allies coordinated the nuts and bolts of the process on a state-by-state level. That's according to the sources talking to CNN. One source said there were multiple planning calls between Trump campaign officials and GOP state operatives and that Giuliani participated in at least one of those calls. The source also said the Trump campaign lined up supporters to fill elector slots. Secured meeting rooms in state houses for the fake electors to meet on December 14th, 2020, and circulated drafts of fake certificates that were ultimately sent to the National Archives. So it was the Trump campaign that coordinated this. By the way, of interest, remember when Mo Brooks wanted the Department of Justice to represent him in the lawsuit against him for inciting the riot January 6th? And uh, the Department of Justice said, sorry, Mo Brooks. You are, it's you know, because he said, it, well, I was giving that speech saying it'd go in there and kick ass and take names. That's part of my job. And Department of Justice says, first of all, it's not part of your job to overthrow the government. Sorry. But the real reason that, that we aren't going to represent you is because this was a campaign activity and that's personal shit. That's not covered by speech or debate clauses. That's campaigning. So the fact that the Trump campaign is involved here is very interesting. Trump and some of his top advisers publicly encouraged the alternate electors scheme in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Arizona, Wisconsin, Nevada, New Mexico. But behind the scenes, Giuliani and Trump campaign officials, and they aren't naming the officials, actively choreographed the process. I'm going to go ahead and guess McEntee and Ellis and Eastman and those people. Quote, it was Rudy and these misfit characters who started calling the shots. That's a former Trump campaign staffer. The campaign was throwing enough shit at the wall to see what would stick. Which is kind of how we saw it going down. The scheme was integral to Trump's plan to get Pence to throw out Biden's electors and replace him with the GOP electors on January 6th when Congress counted the votes. It's also come under renewed scrutiny by the January 6th Select Committee and state attorneys general, raising questions about the involvement of the Trump campaign and whether any laws were broken. Committee chairman Rep. Benny Thompson of Mississippi told reporters Thursday the panel is looking into whether There was broader conspiracy or involvement from the Trump White House in the creation or submission of those fake electors. That's a concern, Thompson says. In its subpoena letter sent to Giuliani last Tuesday, the House committee specifically referenced his efforts to convince state legislatures to overturn election results. The document cites Giuliani's comments from December 2020, in which he publicly urged lawmakers in Michigan to award the state's electors to vote for Trump. Uh, One of the pro Trump electors from Pennsylvania, DeMarco, Sam DeMarco told CNN there was a last minute dispute whether the state's GOP electors pushed Trump campaign officials to add legal caveats to the fake certificate. Those that's the one that said we aren't the electors. We're only the electors in waiting in case something happens. And that might have gotten them off the hook. Uh, The fake documents from Pennsylvania and New Mexico ultimately contained those caveats. But the documents from the other five states explicitly claimed falsely that the electors were the rightful electors. It's not clear that any of the fake electors themselves participated in strategy sessions with top Trump campaign brass, but both Maddock from Michigan and DeMarco from Pennsylvania have said they were in direct contact with members of the Trump campaign. Trump campaign. Who, who besides Rudy? After Trump failed to stop battleground states from certifying Biden's victory, Trump campaign officials led by Giuliani launched its parallel effort to disrupt and undermine the electoral college process. This included publicly promoting false claims of fraud, while quietly exploring the fast diminishing avenues of overturning the results. Trump hoped Republican legislators from the seven battleground states would replace Biden's authentic electors with the rogue GOP slates and that Pence would seat those electors during the joint session. A source familiar with the situation actually told CNN that Pence was concerned about the possibility of alternate electors and his team carefully worded what he said that day during the Electoral College certification to recognize only the legitimate electors. That's the Remember when we said that language is different from, you know, 2005 to nine to, you know, 13, etc. And the, the language was different. And this source said that, that that's why Pence did that it was because of the seven state conspiracy. One source with direct knowledge of the scheme, a former Trump campaign staffer, told CNN Giuliani worked closely on the seven state stunt with Christina Bob, a correspondent for One America News Network. Bob reached out to a top Arizona legislator about supposed voter fraud, according to emails obtained by the government oversight group American Oversight through a public records request. In the December 4th, 2020 email, Bob says she was sending the message on Giuliani's behalf. The emails flesh out how Trump's team was trying to press state legislatures to overturn the results. Quote, they were all working together, Rudy, John Eastman and Christina Bob in tandem to create this coverage for OAN to advance the big lie. While mainstream news outlets covered the electoral proceedings, which cemented Biden's victory, OAN focused on the rogue electors and voter fraud myths. And The Washington Post first reported the news about the role of Giuliani and Bob. And Vanky has been invited to the 1-6 Select Committee to provide testimony. The letter Benny Thompson sent to Ivanka is nine pages long, considerably longer than most of the other letters they've sent out. So let's go over it. Let me pull it up here. It starts with Dear Ms. Trump, and it gives the whole spiel that they give at the beginning of every letter. It says, uh, goes on to say, first, the select committee is investigating efforts by Trump to impede the count of electoral votes. Under our system of government, the people of the states choose who will be president when the people of each state have spoken and the certified results of the presidential election and all the states identify the winning candidate. Congress cannot select a different president by refusing to count certain electoral votes. In advance of January 6th, Your dad and his supporters had litigated and lost dozens of election challenges in state and federal courts. On December 14th, 2020, consistent with our Constitution, the electors of the Electoral College met and confirmed the outcome of the election. Uh, Rather than respecting the rulings of the courts or accepting the outcome of the Electoral College vote, Trump and his legal team planned to change the outcome of the election by enlisting Pence as a presiding officer of the January 6th congressional proceedings to unilaterally reject certain states' votes or delay the counting of those votes until an unknown future date. A lawyer, John Eastman, with whom Trump was apparently consulting and planning for January 6th, has since invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination because he fears criminal prosecution. Mr. Eastman has, on that basis, refused to give testimony regarding his conversations with Trump and others on these topics. As January 6th approached, Trump attempted on multiple occasions to persuade Pence to participate in his plan. One of the president's discussions with Pence occurred by phone on the morning of January 6th. You were present in the Oval Office and observed at least one side of that phone conversation. General Keith Kellogg was also present in the Oval Office, and he testified about that discussion as follows. It's been reported that the president said to the vice president, you don't have the courage to make a hard decision. And maybe not those exact words, but something like that. Do you remember anything like that? Answer. Words and I don't remember exactly either, but something like that, yeah. Being like, you're not tough enough to make the call. Question. Another report, this phone call, this is to Keith Kellogg, is the Trump said, Mike, it's not right. You can do this. I'm counting on you to do it. If you don't do it, I picked the wrong man four years ago. You're gonna wimp out. Do you remember anything like that? Keith Kellogg says, Words like that, yeah, I can't exactly I can't it's tough, but yeah. General Kellogg also testified regarding your remarks. That's these are Ivanka's remarks. At the close of the call, Ivanka Trump turned to me and said, Mike Pence is a good man. I said, yes, he is. (laughs) The select committee wishes to discuss that part of the conversation you observed between Trump and Pence on the morning of January 6th, because Kellogg testified you were there. Similarly, the select committee wants to discuss any other conversations you may have witnessed or participated regarding Trump's plan to obstruct or impede the counting of electoral votes. For example, the committee has information suggesting that Trump's White House counsel may have concluded that the actions Trump directed Vice President Pence to take would violate the Constitution or would otherwise be illegal. Huh. Now here's where the intent is, right? You have to prove that Trump knows that this shit is illegal. And here they are saying they have evidence and information that White House counsel may have concluded that Trump's actions would be otherwise illegal. Did he tell him? Anyway, goes on to say, to your knowledge, were any such legal conclusions shared with Trump? Similarly, in the days before January 6, as a member of the House Freedom Caucus with knowledge of the president's planning for that day, sent a message to the White House chief of staff with this explicit warning, if POTUS allows this to occur, we're driving a stake at the heart of the federal republic. So did you discuss that or similar concerns with the White House chief of staff, that's Mark Meadows, or with the vice president of his staff or his staff? Likewise, when the former senior White House official with daily contact with the president. Asked whether Vice President Pence did the right thing, the official stated, I believe, yes, it was the right thing to do. Was Trump apprised of these other views held by his senior White House staff or by the lawyers for his campaign or others? She would know. Second, the committee is investigating Trump's response to the attack. Elements of the crowd began to march in the Capitol, et cetera, et cetera. At that point, it was already apparent it would not be a lawful or peaceful protest. At 149, the police department, Metro, declared a riot. According to information obtained by the committee, White House staff who were aware of the escalating lawlessness and violence on Capitol Hill alerted senior White House officials, including the White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Television news coverage, social media, and many other news sources identified the lawlessness around that time and continually reported on the violence for several hours. And the select committee is aware of the motivation of many of the violent rioters from their posts on social media. Moreover, evidence before the committee demonstrates the specific impact on the riotous crowd of President Trump's 224 tweet. During his speech on the ellipse, he said, I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. However, in his 224 tweet, the president informed the already riotous crowd that Pence had refused to take the action he requested. And that's when he tweeted out that tweet about Pence. A message from Trump's 224 tweet spread through the crowd. Rioters described what happened next as follows. Once we found out Pence turned on us and they had stolen the election, like officially, the crowd went crazy. I mean, it became a mob. We crossed the gate. Quote, then we heard the news on Pence and lost it. So we stormed. Quote, they're making an announcement right now saying if Pence betrays us, you better get your mind right because we're storming that building. So they go on to say to uh, Ivanka, we're particularly interested in discussions inside the White House and with the president before and after his 224 tweet. Testimony obtained by the committee indicates members of the White House staff requested your assistance on multiple occasions to intervene in an attempt to persuade President Trump to address the ongoing lawlessness and violence. Published reports indicate that Senator Lindsey Graham called you, pleading that the president ask people to leave. In his sworn testimony, Keith Kellogg explained the White House staff wanted the president to take some immediate action to quell the unrest. The president was, according to one account, stubborn, and staff recognized that you may be the only person who could persuade him to act. Only you, Ivanka. Question. Did you think that she, Ivanka Trump, could help Trump to get him to a place where he would make a statement to stop this? Kellogg says yes. Question. So you thought Ivanka could get her father to do something about it? Answer. Yes, to take a course of action. Question. He, he didn't say yes to Mark Meadows or Kaylee McEnany or Keith Kellogg, but he might say yes to Ivanka? Answer. Exactly right. The testimony also suggests you agreed to talk to Trump, but had to make multiple efforts to persuade him to act. Question for Kellogg. And so presumably the first time Ivanka went in, it wasn't sufficient or she wouldn't have had to go back at least one more time, I assume. Is that correct? Kellogg says, well, yes, ma'am. I think she went back there because Ivanka can be pretty tenacious. Goes on to say, in addition, other evidence obtained by the committee shows throughout this period many supporters of the president were trying to contact the White House to insist he appear on the media and ask everyone to stand down. These individuals include Trump Jr., Laura Ingram, Brian Kilmeade, Sean Hannity, multiple members of Congress and the press, Governor Chris Christie, and many others. One White House staff member had the text exchange with a person outside the White House. The incoming text says, is someone going to get to POTUS? He has to tell the protesters to dissipate. Someone's going to get killed. And the response from the White House staff member was, I've been trying for the last 30 minutes, literally stormed in Outer Oval to get him to put out the first one. It's completely insane. In the midst of the violence, Kevin McCarthy appeared on CBS, repeating his plea. The president make a statement, etc. We are particularly interested in this question. Why didn't White House staff simply ask the president to walk to the briefing room and appear on live television to ask the crowd to leave the Capitol? General Kellogg testified very strongly recommended they do not ask the president to appear immediately from the press room because press conferences tend to get out of control and you want to control the message. Apparently, certain White House staff believed that live unscripted press appearances by the president in the midst of the Capitol Hill violence would have made the situation worse. (laughs) Yeah, unscripted. Mm hmm. They go on to say Trump ultimately filmed a video statement from the Rose Garden, which wasn't released until four seventeen. That video finally instructed the rioters to leave the Capitol, but it did not condemn the violence and instead delivered the message, we love you, you're very special. Public reports suggest you'd been urging Trump to ask people to leave the Capitol for two hours by that point in time. The committee understands that multiple takes of the video were filmed but not utilized. Information in the select committee's possession suggests the president failed in the initial clips to ask rioters to leave the Capitol. So they have them. They have the outtakes. The select committee has sought copies of those unused clips from the National Archives. President Trump has pending lawsuits seeking to block the release. President Trump also tweeted at 601. These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. This message provides further insight of Trump's state of mind that day, and it's evident from the events described above, you have knowledge bearing directly on the president's actions or inaction on January 6th and his state of mind as the violent attack occurred. The select committee would very much appreciate your voluntary cooperation. Third, the select committee is evaluating whether the president did or did not give an order to deploy the National Guard to respond to the violence on January 6th. Acting Secretary Chris Miller, who was in the chain of command and reported directly to the president, has testified under oath that the president never contacted him at any time on January 6th and never at any time issued him any order to deploy the National Guard. Here's a footnote, number 27 in this letter, and it says the committee has a team of investigators specifically devoted to evaluating the Capitol's preparedness for violence. Uh, Beatrice Peterson and Morgan Windsor, former acting secretary, testified he was trying to avoid another Kent State on January 6th. That was from ABC News. That's what that is. Now, Miller did speak with Vice President Pence on January 6th, but not with Trump. The committee is aware that certain White House staff devoted time during the violent riot to rebutting questions regarding whether the president was attempting to hold up deployment of the guard. And the press secretary McEnany issued a tweet that afternoon suggesting the guard would be deployed. This occurred hours later. But the committee has identified no evidence, zero evidence that Trump issued any order or took any other action to deploy the guard that day, nor does it appear He made any calls to the Department of Justice or any other law enforcement agency to request deployment to the Capitol. So the select committee respectfully requests you share any information you might have on that topic. And finally, we're investigating Trump's activities and conduct in the days after January 6th, including his state of mind during that period, whether the president took appropriate actions regarding the continuing threats of violence. The committee has confirmation suggesting White House staff and others were attempting to persuade Trump to halt his statements regarding stolen elections. And we're working directly with others to support outside the White House in an effort to persuade Trump to do so. Sean Hannity appears to have been part of those efforts. Hannity's texts both the White House chief of staff and White House press secretary and describing his communications with the president. First, on January 7th, Hannity texted Kayleigh McEnany, laying out a five-point approach for conversations with Trump. Items one and two of the plan read as follows. One, no more stolen election talk. Two, yes, impeachment and 25th Amendment are real and many people will quit. They don't give us three, four and five. (laughs) I think we'll hear him in the public hearings. In response, McEnany replied, love that. Thank you. This is the playbook. I will help reinforce. McEnany also agreed with Hannity's text, specifically recommending the White House staff should make an effort to keep Mr. Trump away from certain people. Sean Hannity, key now. No more crazy people, he said. Kaylee McEnany responded, yes, 100 percent. A few days later, January 10th, Hannity wrote to the White House Chief of Staff Meadows and Congressman Jim Jordan with the following message. Guys, we have a clear path to land the plane in nine days. He can't mention the election again ever. I did not have a good call with him today. And worse, I'm not sure what is left to do or say. And I don't like knowing if it's truly understood. Ideas? Hannity. The Select Committee would like to discuss this effort after January 6 to persuade Trump not to associate himself with certain people. We'd like to meet with you, and they give a couple of. Oh, one other thing, by the way, we also wish to share with you a memo from former White House Counsel Don McGahn regarding the legal requirements of White House personnel to turn over to the National Archives any work-related messages for personal devices. We wish to be certain that former White House staff are fully aware of these obligations. Hmm. Wonder if she failed to turn anything over because they include that memo in this letter. And we have more news today. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is requesting a special grand jury to aid in her investigation of former President Trump's efforts to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. In a Thursday letter to Chris Brasher, chief judge of Fulton County Superior Court, Willis said the move was needed because a significant number of witnesses and prospective witnesses have refused to cooperate with the investigation absent a subpoena requiring their testimony. And I think Raffensberger is one of those because she cited um, Raffensperger comments he made during an October 2021 interview with NBC in which he said, if Willis wants to interview me, there's a process for that. So-called special purpose grand juries are rarely used in Georgia, but they can be valuable um, as, she, as Willis takes the extraordinary step of investigating the conduct of a former president, of a president while he was in office. And that's according to legal experts. So we will see what happens with that. But that's not all the news today. There is actually still more from our friend Hugo Lowell, The Guardian. A former White House press secretary, Stephanie Grisham, told the House Select Committee investigating the Capitol attack, Trump hosted secret meetings in the White House in the residence in the days leading up to January 6th. And that's according to two sources familiar. The former senior Trump aide also told House investigators that the details of whether Trump actually intended to march on the Capitol after his speech at the rally, would be memorialized in documents provided to the U.S. Secret Service. So she says, check those out. The Select Committee's interview with Grisham, who was Melania Trump's chief of staff at the time when she resigned on January 6th, was more significant than we all thought, according to the sources, giving the panel new details about the Trump White House and what the former U.S. president was doing before the attack. Grisham gave House investigators an overview of the chaotic final weeks, Uh, recalling how former president held off the book's meetings at the White House residence. The secret meetings were apparently known by a small number of aides. Grisham recounted they were mostly scheduled by Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and that the former chief usher, Timothy Harlith, would wave participants upstairs. Harlith, the former director of rooms at the Trump International Hotel before moving with the Trumps to the White House in 2017, was once the former First Family's most trusted employees that's according to an aide to melania trump but after harlith sought to ingratiate himself with the biden transition team so he could stay in the white house um trump and meadows moved to fire him before melania stepped in to keep him until biden's inauguration grisham told the select committee she's not sure who exactly trump met with in the residence at the white house but provided harlith's name and identities of other trump aides in the usher's office who might know of the meetings the guardian previously reported trump made several phone calls from the yellow oval room And elsewhere in the White House, to lieutenants at the Willard, Trump increasingly retreated to the White House residence to conduct work as the presidency progressed. And that's according to another former Trump administration official. He felt less watched by the West Wing aides in the residence than he was in the Oval Office. And toward the end of his presidency, the former Trump administration official said that an aide to former White House advisor Peter Navarro tried at least once to quietly usher into the residence one Sidney Powell the lawyer pushing lies about election fraud, to speak with Trump. And she's under federal investigation. There's a lot more to that story. Head over to Hugo Lull's Twitter to get the latest. And a three-judge panel comprised of appointees from Obama, Trump, and Biden unanimously rejected an appeal from the pillow man in his Dominion libel suit. So that's going to go forward. And finally, there was a hearing today about the pretrial detention for Ed uh, Vallejo. It says the Oath Keeper charged alongside Stuart Rhodes and nine others for seditious conspiracy. Vallejo was head of, the one, of the, one of the quick reaction forces that was stationed outside of D.C. by the Oath Keepers with 30 days of food and supplies and weapons. They were on standby if the Oath Keepers couldn't breach the Capitol. Judge Boyle said, I'm convinced that had the order been given, you would have responded that day and followed out that order. The judge went on to say, there appears to be no evidence before me now, remorse for your statements since January 6th. You are a serious danger at this time. This court will order you your detention. And so now he will sit in prison pending trial. Uh, Stuart Rhodes, the the, the prosecutors have he was supposed to have a hearing on Thursday, but that was postponed. And we don't know why, but they did file their memo. And they're also asking for pretrial detention. I have all my beans on. They're going to get it. And neither of these guys are going to see the outside of a prison cell for a very long time. And with that, I know it's a lot of news, but a lot went down today. We'll be right back with the good news with Amy Carrera. But first, I'm going to chat with Texas Rep Donna Howard right after this message. Stay with us.
1: After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey,
0: everybody, it's AG, and The Daily Beans is brought to you by Athletic Greens, a health and wellness company that simplifies your daily nutrition. Keeping good nutritional habits can be difficult with an intense and stressful schedule, especially with all these products. You have different vitamins, pills, probiotics, all these different things, green superfood stuff you have to take But Athletic Greens has fixed that all for me. One delicious scoop of AG1 provides comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition. It has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients. And it has in it a multivitamin, a multimineral, probiotics, green superfood blend, and more. AG1 helps me stay focused and productive during the day. I just have it first thing in the morning. It's delicious. I, I do it before I go to the gym. It gives me the energy I need. Um, The high-quality, bioavailable ingredients in AG1 can effectively replace all of those multiple products. It simplifies your life and your nutrition into one thing. Um, And it fits keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and vegan lifestyles. It has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, and no artificial ingredients. And it just tastes amazing. So it's so easy to work into your routine. My favorite thing about it um, with Athletic Greens is they constantly update their research Based on science, unlike most nutritional supplements that hit the market and stay the same forever, Athletic Greens continually improves AG1 based on the latest research. They have 53 improvements over the last decade so far and counting. So I highly recommend you give it a try. I love it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's when you visit athleticgreens.com/dailybeans today. Again, simply head to athleticgreens.com/dailybeans to take control of your health. Fill in the gaps of your diet and give AG1 a try. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am happy and honored today to be joined by a member of the Texas House of Representatives representing the 48th District in Austin, Donna Howard. Rep Donna Howard, how are you today?
1: You know, we're hanging in there. It's just constant things that we're having to deal with, it seems. Uh, SB8 being one of many. So uh, we're doing the
0: best we can, moving day to day through this. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to you about SB8. You're the chairwoman of the Texas Women's Health Caucus. And you recently testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee about the widespread impact of SB8. Can you talk a little bit? uh, Let's just start with where SB8 is in the courts right now. I believe we're waiting for a Supreme Court decision as to whether or not they'll grant cert to hear about it.
1: You know, part of the challenge has been that there's been this seesaw of events regarding any kind of legal action, which is especially confusing in light of the fact that there was no court intervention to prevent the implementation of this unconstitutional legislation from the get-go. So, despite the fact that yes, it is moving through the courts to so, in some form or fashion, it's not the usual form or fashion. And uh, SB eight went into effect. September 1, virtually banning abortions uh, in the state of Texas and denying Texans the constitutional right that every other state in this country has that protection. Right now, uh, the the current part of what's happening in the courts has to do with a very narrow uh, opportunity to sue that the Supreme Court said that it was are uh, going to allow pending the approval of our fifth circuit court of appeals which is very conservative or our texas supreme court which is basically just saying suing the licensing provider so the licensing board for physicians and nurses that sort of thing very narrow and not really having any impact and no answer on that perhaps for months
0: yeah and that's the problem and, and, and you know personally for me i I'm, I'm former military mm-hmm. and i was a victim of uh, sexual assault in the military yeah, and right. I sought abortion care mm-hmm. in that particular instance. And my immediate thought went to all of the active duty service members who currently don't have a safe place to report their rapes right. in the armed forces because of the, you know, they dissembled Senator Gillibrand's Military Justice Act. Right. But my immediate thoughts went out to all the service members there. And I mean, of course, all of, all of the people who, who can get pregnant in Texas as well. But what has the impact been? Because I know we've seen stories of, about abortion clinics in Oklahoma and New Mexico and surrounding states being overwhelmed. And it's simply stunning that the Supreme Court would allow this to remain in effect, depriving people of their constitutional rights. So what has the impact been?
1: The impact is huge. Just to lay the groundwork here, it's important, I think, to understand that this so-called six-week ban is based on a on a bunch of misinformation, and it's not medically accurate. Uh, We're talking about when supposedly there's a heartbeat. Well, there is no heart to beat at that point in time. It's electrical activity from cells that will eventually become the heart. But there is no heart. There's no pumping of blood. It's An ultrasound is just basically translating the electrical impulses into a sound. The fact is that we're saying six weeks. That's really six weeks gestation, which is measured from the first day of your last menstrual period. So you're not even pregnant until at least maybe two weeks later. Uh, So it's really four weeks pregnant, basically two weeks after a missed period, if you happen to be regular, you basically have not had any opportunity to know that you're pregnant a lot of the times. Um, You mentioned your unfortunate event that occurred when you were in the military. Uh, there is no exception for rape and incest. Yeah. And a lot of times uh, people who are assaulted and traumatized, of course, do not immediately report for one thing uh, and certainly don't necessarily know immediately that they're pregnant. So to not even provide an exception there is is just egregious. But, but the fact is that because this has been in place since September 1, uh, immediately there was a, a at least a 50% drop in abortions in our state. And I'm sure much greater at this point in time, people have gone out of state if they could afford to, if they could take off work, if they could find childcare. Texas is a big state. Some have to travel basically a day there and a day back. And then you have to follow all the rules of waiting 24 hours and getting a sonogram and all the different impediments that have been purposefully put in place. So those of limited means, those that live in rural areas, those that live in our valley who have to go through checkpoints and may not be documented and have to risk being deported, they're being deprived of an essential healthcare service. And the states around us are being overrun and overwhelmed. They can't meet the need. Uh, People are having to travel to states much further away. But again, you have to have the resources to be able to do that. So if you don't have the resources, you don't have a choice.
0: Right. And and even if this gets struck down and they focus instead on the Mississippi ban, right, <laughs> the deprivation for this long is still unconscionable. And, and I'm wondering if, you know, and I'm hoping or thinking about any potential recourse that anyone impacted by this might have, whether it be through civil suits or, or anything like that. And, you know, we're starting to see copycat laws pop up. And here in California, right. we're seeing a copycat law, but with the, you know, with assault weapons. Yes, right. And so while I tend to think that the Supreme Court might not, you know, uphold SB8, right. The damage has been done.
1: The damage has been done and Texas like a lot of other states passed additional legislation. We also had a piece of legislation passed this session, the so-called trigger bill. So if indeed Roe v Wade is overturned, which is likely to happen with the Mississippi case, then Texas will immediately ban all abortions and uh, create a criminal jail felony for any physician who provides an abortion at all at that point in time. So yeah, it's, it's stunning what's going on, uh, removing almost uh, a half century of precedent and uh, making it virtually impossible. It's going to be uh, a patchwork across the country, but my understanding is that approximately 30 states have this, these trigger laws already in place, which means that the vast majority of states will be totally banning abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned.
0: Yeah. And and it seems like our one way out of this is is to, to vote. Yes. However, our voting rights are under attack. Absolutely. And you know this well, you were one of the representatives who fled to D.C. Right? to fight for voting rights. Today, we f- found out, Joe Biden has emerged from uh, a meeting with the Democratic caucus that apparently isn't able to get anywhere with two specific senators yes. who refuse to budge on a carve out for his own bill, by the way. Right. And so what can we do to continue the fight to preserve and protect our right to vote so that we can battle these kinds of SBA laws that strip us of our constitutional rights.
1: You know, it it does feel pretty frustrating and hopeless to a certain extent, but I'm not one to give up hope. And uh, voting is our voice and is our power. And though there have been obstructions now put up against that, certainly here in Texas, we had redistricting, which was carried out by our Republican majority to preserve Republican authority over the next decade. We have the restrictive voting uh, election bill that was passed that is decreasing opportunities for many people to be able to vote, particularly those of color, those of limited means. We had a a real innovative approach in Harris County where Houston is because of COVID that really got the turnout. and, And the turnout in that case, because of the way Houston has evolved, is primarily democratic. These laws are Reining back in what Houston put in place to help people vote. <laughs> and yes, it is all connected here. We have to, though, not give up. We've got to overcome these voting restrictions that have put in place because we have to get people elected who are going to represent what the majority of Texans and Americans want, and that is safe legal access to abortion. That's the case. That's a fact. The majority want that. And yet that's not what the people that have been elected to the majority are providing to the citizens that they represent. We've got to elect people who are willing to represent the majority of our country.
0: And I uh, include you in that category. And <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> and you are running uh, again this November. So I would I would like if you could Tell everyone how they can find you and support you <laughs> in in that endeavor, because, you know, I mean, the Department of Justice has sued over SB8. They've sued over Texas redistricting. They've sued over Texas voting rights legislation. It's going to take time. Yes. In the courts, particularly they've all they're already backed up. I think we should double the federal bench, but they're already backed up because of covid. So can you tell people how to find, follow and support you and others like you?
1: Well, what i would first say is that uh, I'm one of the fortunate ones that does not have a primary or a Republican opponent that has filed against me. There is someone from the Libertarian Party uh, that has indicated he's going to run, but they haven't had their convention yet to to solidify that. So I just want to say there's a lot of people out there who have a lot more difficult races than I do. Uh, What I would suggest in terms of Texas, which is what I'm focused on, of course, is our uh, House Democratic Campaign Committee, which is similar to the DCCC at the national level. But, you know, I I think really, quite frankly, I I would encourage people to find those that are in vulnerable positions wherever they happen to live. And I would especially encourage looking at your state legislatures. Obviously, Congress is important. Obviously, the presidential race is important. Clearly, Trump's election made a difference in what we're talking about today, because he was able to make three Supreme Court appointments that were meant to gut Roe v. Wade. Our votes actually make a difference, and in certain elections, of course, have much more serious ramifications, as I just mentioned. Uh, but what I guess I'm going with here is that. You know, those of us that broke quorum and went to D.C. over the elections bill, we went there to lobby Congress because we were up against a wall. There was nothing more we could do. We needed Congress to act. And here we are today, months later, still dealing with the same thing, with these election restrictions being put in place already. The state legislatures are going to have more and more to say about what happens with elections. And what happens with abortions, who you get elected in your state legislature, in my opinion, is going to be more important than Congress and the president at this point in time, because that's where the action is. So,
0: Right, because states manage their own elections yes. and it, it, there are so many laws out there now that are giving power to the state legislatures to right. overthrow the will of the people and hand over a, state of, uh, a slate of electors that they deem... You know, should you know, should be proper, and I never thought I would see that day. I was saying to myself, "Okay, if you really want your state legislature to decide, you know, who you voted for, that's never going to happen. That would be ridiculous. That that, <laughs> that voters would actually allow that to happen. Yet here we are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's uh, it's not going away. Well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much yes. for the discussion and everybody, Donna Howard, representative. Austin, by the way, very cool city. Yeah, we keep it weird here. Yeah, we've. Uh, I've been trying to see if we could trade you. I'm in California. I was hoping we could trade <gasps> Fresno for Austin. Like, <laughs> but I'm so glad you're there. I love your city and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, friends. It's AG for the Daily Beans. Did you know that uh, we cut down about 10,000 trees every day to create products, paper products that are just flushed down the toilet or thrown in the trash that all end up in landfills and oceans? Considering there are forests remove nearly a quarter of the carbon we emit, uh, they play an essential role in combating climate change. And we can help by using real paper. With real paper, deforestation and waste generated by single-use plastics is reduced. Real paper uses non-virgin tree fibers and no plastic to make its toilet paper and paper towels So no new trees are cut down. It's awesome. And Real developed a sustainable alternative that preserves the health of our planet without sacrificing quality. Certainly a step in the right direction. Yep. More than 250,000 pieces of single-use plastic have already been eliminated with Real Paper. And by purchasing Real, you'll be contributing to the funding of clean sanitation programs around the world. I love that. I love that so much. I feel great supporting Real Paper because their sustainable products contribute to saving the planet, saving the forests, helping sanitation around the world, And it's quality stuff, man. These paper towels are so durable and absorbent. The toilet paper is comfortable. I'm never going to buy anything else. And purchasing Real Paper is simple. It's hassle-free on their website. You can have a subscription or you can do a one-time purchase. And all orders are sent to your house in 100% recyclable plastic-free packaging. How awesome is that? So if you head to realpaper.com slash dailybeans and sign up for a subscription using my code dailybeans at checkout, you'll automatically get 30% off your first order. That's real paper, R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R dot com slash dailybeans, or enter promo code Daily Beans to get 30% off your first order. Real paper, it's toilet paper and paper towels that change lives and save the planet. And today's show is also brought to you by Helix Sleep. There's nothing worse than tossing and turning all night, feeling exhausted the next day, having no energy, having aches and pains. Yeah, you know, I used to have the worst sleep patterns until I took the online sleep quiz at HelixSleep.com slash dailybeans. I realized I had the completely wrong mattress for how I sleep. Helix will match you to a mattress tailored to your sleep preferences and body type. Mattresses vary from soft to medium to firm. They have body temperature regulating mattresses in case you get hot flashes at night. They have uh, ones that align your spine and they even have a Helix Plus for plus size sleepers. Now, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I am a medium firm mattress lady and I sleep on my side, my left side, as a matter of fact. So it's perfect for me. And now, thanks to Helix, I sleep like a log. I wake up feeling alert and refreshed. I get a full eight hours Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were the number one best mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And as we know, leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine have recommended Helix to improve your sleep. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights with no risk. And they even have financing options available. So a good night's sleep is never far away. And Helix right now is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com dailybeans. That's Helix Sleep, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off your mattress orders and two free pillows. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, on.
1: Good news is all the way.
0: And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, anything you want to send in to us, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact, joining me today for the good news is the one and only Amy Carrero. Amy, hello. Hi.
2: Hello. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you?
2: We You had a big day yesterday on the tweets, on the Twitters. <sighs> I had, yeah,
0: my thumbs are sore a little.
2: <laughs> or wait, were you on your phone? Were you doing it all for your phone?
0: No, I wouldn't. Let me think. No, I was doing it on my, on my laptop. Oh, I was going to
2: say. Okay.
0: But yeah, man, are my arms tired? I bet. No, uh... Whew, that was a lot. And today, just retweeting all of the news today was such a big news day. Um, So it's been a nice birthday, you know, because today is officially my birthday.
2: <gasps> Wait, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Happy yeah. birthday.
0: Thank you. And we sort of celebrated it yesterday because yesterday's show came out today. Yes. So you really get two shows of my birthday, everyone. Love it. So it. Love it. You're so welcome for that. And, and the news has been a gift, really, honestly, Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. as
0: is the good news that our listeners send in. So I'm going to kick us off here with this first quick correction from Anonymous. Great. And this was from something that happened yesterday. Cash is cash and cachet with a T is cachet. Yeah. So I will pass that along to the person who did that. and (laughs) Catch it. Catch it. (laughs) And uh, thank you very much for that correction. And I'll just take this next one, too, from Anonymous. Yes. Pronouns she and her. Okay. I'll admit, I haven't been listening to the pod as much as I used to, so I don't know if this was already mentioned, but I had a good laugh today that made me think of y'all. I get informed delivery emails from the post office. For anyone unfamiliar, it's just a notification that shows you a preview of the snail mail you'll be getting within the next couple of days. And occasionally, Hmm. they throw in sort of a digital postcard. Well, today's postcard was an advertisement for an episode of the official U.S. Postal Service podcast, excuse me, the what? The what-what. Featuring an interview with Postmaster Louis DeJoy. When I tell you uh, the sound that came out of my mouth was a cross between a laugh and a disgruntled groan. This cute little postcard for a podcast called Mailin' It. Ugh. And it's got that Stooges name on it. Ugh. Oh, grief. Anyway, Pet Tax is my brother's dog, Tully. Bro sent me a pic of her having crawled under a curtain with the caption, I feel like this would be a good starting point to Photoshop Tully as a Sith Lord. So naturally, <laughs> amazing sister that I am, I obliged. Devil emoji. Thanks for making the pod. I'll try to listen more. Angel emoji. All right, so here's a mail in it picture. Oh and then <laughs>
2: here's the Sith Lord. That's amazing. That's a, birthday, that's a birthday gift right there.
0: Oh, Well done. And thank you for sending that in.
2: Oh, I love that. Well, next up, we have a submission from Mikey or Mickey, maybe Mickey, pronouns he, him. Hello, my friends. I have a vintage pre-treason, treason pillow, bought at the Navy Exchange in 2014. It's machine washable, which is probably the nicest thing I can say for an otherwise adequate furnishing. Certainly not good enough that anyone should go get one, and I'm ready to ditch it when my paycheck allows. Speaking of paychecks, my good news is that I've been at a wonderful new job for three months now, selling tabletop RPGs and board games. Oh,
0: awesome. I'm so glad Amy got to read this one.
2: Hell yeah. Although it's difficult not to give all of my paycheck right now back, being among the things I love all day, and the people who share that passion is the best defense against despair. That's so true. Mm. Your podcasts are the next best. I've mm. been listening regularly since the insurrection with some back catalog dives to understand the Mueller report better. Thank you for everything. Attached is my dear departed Donovan when he was just a handful of kitten and 25% ears. This no. message brought to you by Louis Gomer, dumber than two bags of hair. <laughs> Look at this little baby. Oh my god. God, what a little tiny.
0: Oh, rest well, Donovan, yeah. what a sweetie. Maybe. Thank you for that submission. Next up, I, and I love this. From Amanda, no pronouns given, dear Beans Queens, can I just tell you how much I love listening to Daily Beans every morning while I'm getting ready for the day before my boyfriend calls me from Italy on deployment for civil affairs? Brad. I've been listening now for the last year. You all have soothed my soul and met me in my upsets when I'm riled up. Over political times, over our political times, I never thought I would see a time like this, fascism rising in our country while raising two teenage boys. It's comforting listening to the opening They Might Be Giants all the way through the ending to know that Gen Xers like me are just as fed up with this shit and ready to move forward (laughs) in healing our nation and bolstering our democracy. Yes, Amanda. No bedtime for democracy on our watches. I know you all get the reference. <laughs> Thank you for all you do and reminding us to take care of ourselves and each other, laugh, and find our joys while holding the powerful accountable. I don't have pets, but here are my tribute tattoos to Susie Sue and Tori Amos, my other queens. Yes. Oh,
2: my God. How rad is that?
0: Oh, I love the Susie one. Oh, these are so great. Two of my favorites.
2: Amanda is one cool ass cat.
0: Hell yeah. you need to hang out. I, I love where a sleeve.
2: I really do. Mm. Love, love, love. So cool.
0: I don't know where you're at, Amanda, but we need to we need to hang out wherever you are.
2: I know. I feel like you'd be friends. Just, you know, I feel like you have a lot of it, same interests. Mm-hmm. Me too. Let me come. Next up, <laughs> Curtis, pronounce she, her. Hello, Beans, Daily Beans crew. This podcast makes me so happy. I love the conversations, the interviews, the good news. Every single thing about it is so good. Thank you for all that you do. I hope you know the positive impact you have on your listeners because I am the quintessential crazy cat lady I have included, I hope, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I don't know why that got me so much. <laughs> I hope, pics of my new sweet babies. I say hope because when I look at the uploads, I can't tell what the heck is attached. Okay, you and me both, Curtis. But it should be Kit Kat pics, Jaja, Blossom, and Olivia.
0: Oh my God! Look at that Tuxie, another Tuxie with the Two. nose freckle, and then a void with amber eyes. How beautiful! Oh, wow, gorgeous, gorgeous gorge, babies. Gorge. I love the floof. So much floof. Oh, so great. Thank you for that. Next up from Steve, pronouns he and him. Hello, AGDG, Amy, and the rest and the rest. First, good news, and then a court case. Dung 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 dung. My wife finally said the words, all of our winter break projects are done. Huh. Words I never thought I'd hear. The last project was a follow up from a previous court case I sent in for the amazing, talented and beautiful judge Amy to rule on. A quick refresher, we had a couch standing up on its side. That's yeah.
2: right. Oh, my God.
0: Mm-hmm. Which our kitty, Maud, aka Tuxie, decided was the best kitty bed ever. Well, we moved the couch and put this in instead. See the kitty ramp on the left and the perch for her above one of our bookshelves. She loves it, as you can see. Thank you, A.G. and Judge Amy. You rock. We solved a case.
2: Oh, my God. We never get to see the sol- salvation. of What? Bye. The, s- <laughs> the solution. The solution. Okay. The, the ramp and the... there's So cool. <gasps> so, so cool. Look at that ramp. That's very... I, I'm actually really... I'm thrilled that Maude found this to be a suitable solution, I was a little bit afraid that she'd be like, nah, I
0: need the Look gosh. how much she loves it She up loves there
2: it. Love, love, love. So cool. Thank you, Steve. Next up, we have Andrea, pronounced she, her. Hello, you wonderful humans. You're a pro batshit biologist here again, apologizing for making poor Amy talk about her poop for so long. I clearly <laughs> need to work on my editing when I'm having fun. No, please don't. Please don't. But to answer your question of what cloaca, okay, cloaca is, it's the one orifice to rule them all, a one-stop <laughs> shop for pee, poo, sex, and eggs, <laughs> or sometimes live babies, birds, <laughs> reptiles, amphibians, and most fish have them, plus a small number of unusual mammals, echidnas. Echin, echin, echin,
0: echidnas
2: echidnas and platypus yeah because of course they do
0: those are mammals those are both mammals that lay eggs by the way
2: oh i just need to go Because, of course, they do. For adorable animal texts, I'm attaching photos of a few cloaca-having animals. Oh, no. We saw when we spent most of the first half of 2019 in Australia. So cool. A time when I became utterly dependent on Mueller, she wrote, to keep me in touch with the shit show back home in just the way I needed. I included a tiny lizard that crawled under the door into our hotel room while we were watching a game of Aussie Rules football the ever-amusing Australian brush turkey, and the adorable, what did you say? Echidna. Echidna. Mm-hmm. So glad you continued on after MSW with the Daily Beans. It's my favorite way to keep up the good news.
0: Wow, and wow, you know, wow. they might be giants. The, who do, who, they do our theme song. They have a song about mammals that includes the mention of the echidna. So you should check it out. It's called Mammal by They Might Be Giants
2: very good mm-hmm. i i'm disturbed by these babies i know that they deserve <laughs> love and comfort and everything good but good grief is that a hole where the ears should be next to the <laughs> eye
0: maybe that's the ear Yeah,
2: that's a cloaca i'm gonna be literally dreaming having nightmares about this
0: <laughs> Just stay a kid you pee out of your poo hole
2: Hey, at least they don't have to think of like remember to wipe front to back.
0: Ah, that's true. They just wipe Just wipe the fox, the ox, giraffe, and shrew, echidna caribou. Yeah, you check. I gotta listen to that
2: song. song. But if they talk about cloacas, then I'm gonna have to pass.
0: They don't. They don't, but they do talk about the red blood cells that flow through the large four chambered heart maintaining the very high metabolism rate they have. I learned a lot about mammals. From they might be giants. I do <laughs> God damn
2: it! Um, that's so cool. They, I, I love Australia, and I love that learning all these things about animals that I never want to encounter.
0: So there's that. <laughs> but we can still say batshit crazy, which is yeah, funny. for sure. Although I think i switching to ape shit. I don't think we use ape shit enough. Ape I mean, shit is
2: good. Ape shit yeah. is like. Where did we get ape shit? Like somebody needs to come up with a, uh, or, or let us know what the history of ape shit is. Yeah. Do they, do apes throw their shit?
0: The etymology. When they're upset? Ape shit. When ape shit. Yeah, they do. Some throw poop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it must be that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, somebody, anyone have the, uh, we could do way with words. We'll do a, a you know, a, a tag team episode. Martha Barnett, we can find out. Maybe they know the etymology of apeshit. <laughs> we could do a we could do a swear words way with words. Yes. And we'll call it like a, a, a fucking words. way. We call it a fucking way with words and see what happens. I love it. Thank you so much for all of your entries. If you have anything you want to send it to us again, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here for the weekend, Amy?
2: Yeah, I hope you have a fucking great birthday.
0: Thank you. Thank so you so cool. much. cool.
2: You look great. Your skin is moisturized. You look unbothered. And you're just fucking nailing it.
0: Well, I appreciate that very much. Um, Thank you. And I, I you also look wonderful. And I like mm-hmm. your built-ins also behind you. It's very nice. If you ever end up on a show, I'm sure Room Raider will give you a 10. <laughs> it would be yeah. great. Yeah, I love it. Don't all right. Better
2: in the corner. Um, happy birthday! I hope you have plans. Do you have plans? I don't know. It's kind of a weird year again.
0: Small dinner with our vaccine boosted. My vaccine boosted pod crew. My and when love I say it. pod, I mean like I don't mean podcast. I mean like our COVID pod. You know, yeah. the ones the only people we hang out with. Love it. And that's it. It'll be fun. We're gonna play cards against humanity. I'll take some photos. Maybe I'll share them. I don't know. Sometimes
2: you should wear that really pretty dress that we all love.
0: Oh. <laughs> No, it's not the Just most comfortable shits. thing. In the world. Oh, shit. I have okay. a, I have like a gold LeMay caftan I might put on. Oh,
2: absolutely. Yes, that yeah. is a birthday gown. Love it. Yeah,
0: it's, And it's super comfy. All right. MSW Book Club. This weekend is um, episode three or four, I think. I can't remember. Of Corruptible by Brian Kloss. You have to read it. It's such an incredible book. And then on Muller She Wrote, I'll be talking to Pete Strzok. We have like a 30 minute conversation. He's got his new Rad. paperback version of Compromise coming out. On January 25th with extra stuff in it. I'm super excited to read that extra stuff and I know you will be too. And everybody, until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants